Depending on where you are, happy Thanksgiving. You're on equal footing with Dove Tuzman. Our Thanksgiving special show here is about the twists and the turns in our spiritual and religious life, and in a sense, having gratitude for even the U-turns, even the, the mistakes. I hope everyone today who's celebrating is surrounded by the warmth and love of family, I'm joined this evening on Equal Footing by a special guest, Jennifer Frankel, who I consider a friend. She's a creative problem solver in the business world. She's a project manager in an alternative life. She's a costume designer. Jennifer's a graduate of Parsons School of Design, and she's worked in fashion and hospitality and other areas of the business world. As behooves someone who's worked in fashion, Jennifer was born in Paris, France. She spent her life between Europe and the United States, blossoming wherever she's planted with her dog by her side. Jennifer, welcome to Equal Footing. Good evening, Doe. Thank you for having me. I'm excited and nervous to get into this with you, Jennifer, because I'm going to kind of play the role of the other guests. You know, usually on, on this show, our format is we have two different guests who kind of given different points of view on their journey or the topic at hand. And I'm also going to open up, as I know you've promised to do, about the twists and turns in my, in my spiritual life and my religious life. And together, we, you and I have come up with a title for, the, for tonight's show being When the River Ends, the Ocean Begins, Leaving or Returning to Religious Life. So... I want to first give number the number to call in to participate in this discussion with my special guest, Jennifer Frankel, and myself, Dove Tuzman, on equal footing. The number is 718-303-9090. If you're shy about being on the air, and uh, you can always call in and, and use a pseudonym or, or not give a name, but you can also text a question to 917-428-4062. That's 917-428-4062. Jennifer, you have lived both inside and outside the Orthodox Jewish world. Uh, you've gone through a conversion process, which is quite mysterious for many of us. It's uh, one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult, conversion process of any of the major religions. It's, it's extended. It's quite ritualistic. But to take a step back, what has is, what is your religious journey been about, and you know, maybe uh, from the beginning to, uh, to today in, in short form? Um, it has been a journey indeed. I, um, I was raised in a very loving but kind of relaxed um, Catholic family, uh, relaxed in their religious observance. And I, in my early 20s, really looking for something, looking for spirituality I, and meaning, I, um, I found myself on a path to convert to, to Judaism. I, um, I have some Jewish ancestors. Uh, none of them qualified me to actually have been born a Jew. So um, I started on the conversion process, which is, it's a, it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot of ritual. It's a lot of 
learning the rules and following them and about a year and a half to two years of living the life um, before you can even officially convert, um, you know, meet with a rabbinic court, which is, you know, involves meeting with a rabbinic court, uh, being grilled really for about four hours on um, Jewish law and ritual, and then going to the mikvah, the ritual bath, and um, emerging from that water, um, reborn as a as a Jew. So um, it was definitely a long a long path um, to yes to get to to get in the community and to be to be among the people. Was that process? Uh, really driven by aspects of community, your 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 marriage, and kind of moving towards uh, the envelope that of security and love that a community gives community gives us, uh, and or was there something deeply kind of spiritually essential about it as you as you look back on it? Um, looking back on it, I was absolutely looking for something spiritual. I was looking for. Uh, a spiritual home and a place to belong. And I really did find that in the community. And I l- loved the community, the community aspect of it. I mean, when you get sick, when an Orthodox Jew gets sick, you have more soup and more food that shows up on your doorstep than you know what to do with. Everybody come, people take care of each other. And there's a lot of, of love in the community. Um, but my conversion process certainly was more about ritual and it was more about Jewish law than anything else. I don't remember ever being asked, um, do you believe in God? Um, I was asked if, you know, what happens if you drop, you know, a matzo ball, which is meat, into a dairy pot by accident? What do you, how do you rectify that? Um, Nothing, never, never about spirituality or about belief, really. You know, I, I grew up uh, Jewish. I mean, my, my mother's Jewish. I, I was uh, my my mother's parents were uh, Holocaust survivors in, in blessed memory. And I and and I can tell you that that's not just a, a con- uh, issue that would pertain to someone going through a conversion. I, I also often felt as a child that there was extremely strong, almost tribal identification, which I feel to this day. But I also felt a void, and it wasn't there wasn't talk about God. Uh, the you know the the term uh, you know made its way through almost every moment of Jewish observance. You know the references to Hashem and Adonai and the and and, and the, the the God of our understanding. However, I didn't. It was hard for me to to to, to pierce the veil of meaning, and I ended up you know, going in a completely different direction and living in an ashram and uh, in various parts of the world, in India, and Hawaii, uh, in, in upstate New York. And in a sense, I've been jealous, I think, my whole life of people who went through the conversion process, Jennifer, because I felt like they, you know, must have gotten more of the essence. I felt like there was like, you know, no matter how many Hebrew school classes you went to or how many, you know, Torah learning exercises you do as, a, as an adult, I always felt like there was like, I must have missed that core class. I must have missed that 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 that, that one, um, you know, in in Eastern tradition and in, in in Hinduism and in Buddhism, I believe as well. It's referred to as Shaktipat, kind of the awakening of the energy. And I was like, when is that going to happen? When am I going to like just be totally, you know, blown over and have, you know, some direct connection with God? And I thought that in the conversion process, 
that 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 must happen because you're like so intensively focused and you get to work closely with a rabbi who's like all you're focused about your pertaining to the tribe. But as I hear you you talk about it doesn't doesn't sound like that was your experience, which saddens me. It, it really wasn't my experience at all. It was a lot more about, it was, yes, it was a lot more about law and ritual. Um, it was not motivated. I was never motivated by, um, marriage. My, I, I didn't meet my now ex-husband until well after my conversion. Um, but with the Orthodox conversion system, if I had gone in there saying, oh, I, I met this guy and I want to become Jewish so I can marry him, they wouldn't have never have taken my call again. It's, you, you have to go into it with a, you know, with, with a pure intention than that in a lot of ways. Um, but I think a lot of, of, um, spirituality, it's, it's, it's understood or the, or the belief is so understood. It's built into the daily vernacular. When you ask a, a religious Jew how, how they're doing, they'll never tell you, oh, I'm, I had a great day. The answer is just thank God. Because whatever it is, it's, it's, thank God. And sometimes it does feel like it's just a mechanical response. Um, but it is, there is something built in there. Um, so I, I think they, the, the faith and the spirituality is, is implied for a lot of people, but it, it didn't come, it, it wasn't taught to me or it wasn't discussed with me. I guess, the, you know, the same, you had the same experience with, with Hebrew school, which is unfortunate because there's so much beauty and spirituality there that, they you know, core, core to Judaism is this concept of, of teshuva, of returning. Uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's often translated as repentance. But it's really it's about returning. And I feel at this point in my late 40s more connected to the God of my understanding and the essential lessons on the, you know, of Jewish life than I did than I have at any point, and I think only because I definitively left Jewish life for many years. Uh, I spent, I would say, 15 if not 20 years in a beautiful process of of spiritual discovery focused on Eastern traditions. There was also some disillusionment and betrayal there, too, which I've talked about in a previous episode on cults, but there was great learning there. And then, and then many years, which I hesitate to admit, I often don't admit, but here I am on, on the radio saying so, many years as an atheist, as a confirmed atheist, my, 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 my heroes were, you know, uh, the, the, the mean theory and, and evolutionary biologists that, you know, were part of that movement in late, in the late nineties uh, and early aughts that helped, you know, define, you know, what I would say was modern atheism. And going through those portals, honestly, you know, what I mean by that is uh, without pretense, going through those portals of disbelief, going through those portals of questioning, going through those portals of, of discovery and other paths, I think it's enabled me to actually have a more authentic relationship today with the essence of Jewish life. And talking to you in kind of the pregame in advance of the show I'm fascinated by someone who's gone the other direction. I mean, you know, you're, you're from your father's side, you're Jewish, you, you, you know, you went through an Orthodox conversion process. Do you now find 
you reflect back and, and that was a portal like, you know, like, you know, Hinduism was for me, it was, it was, it was Jewish life, a portal for you to get to some better place, other place. It definitely, um, it was definitely a, a, an important part of a past for me. I still very much identify as Jewish, and I'm very proud to be a part of, I mean, genetically and then and by, you know, by choice, by conversion, to be part of the, the Jewish world. Um, but I, and I learned, I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about people, um, the people around me and my, in, in my interaction with them in, and everything, it absolutely has made me the person I am today, and it's brought me to the place I am today, which is I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Um, so I'm that I'm I'm really grateful for. Um, did I need to do all of this to figure out that I believe in kindness more than a deity, and and I'm I'm more about spirituality than religion. I don't know, but I'm sure there. I'm sure there would have been a simpler way to learn that lesson, um, but I am grateful for it. Um, and it's definitely, it's a very precious and important part of my path to me. I'm still very close to um, a lot of the people from that world, and I cherish it. It's part of. It's part of. It's very much part of who I am, um, and part of my path. I feel grateful as well for. Uh, you know, even the meanderings, you know, the, those, those, those years of, of meanderings. You said it so well around understanding that the, the kindness is more important than, than a deity. And I think it took me until my 40s to, to really absorb that at the, at the core of, of Jewish life is the idea of, of, you know, treating another as you would desire to be treated and that everything else is a footnote, as I think it was Rabbi Akiva who, who said. And, and you know, accepting that I didn't have to know you know every every corner of every text to be um, to be a, a a fully blossomed uh, Jew, and and not to have to live kind of in the shadows of, of of guilt, of lack of understanding, or what have you. Get in on the conversation with Jennifer Frankel and myself on. When the river ends, the ocean begins, and we'll explain where that quote comes from. Leaving or as it were, returning to religious life. I think it's apropos we're doing this show on Thanksgiving, which is a non-religious holiday. It's one of the purely secular holidays celebrated in the United States and also in, in, other, in another form in Canada. And we're both uh, giving, Jennifer and I are both expressing gratitude um, for our spiritual path, unexpected spiritual path that brought us to to where we are today. Our number is 718-303-9090. That's 718-303-9090. You can also text in a question at 917-428-4062, and we'll be right back on Equal Footing. It's just a little old-fashioned karma coming down. Just a little old-fashioned justice going round. A little bit of sowing and a little bit of reaping, a little bit of laughing and a little bit of weeping. Just a little Equal Footing with Dove Tusman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skin care. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. 
So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. Hi, you're back on Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman. I'm here with my guest, Jennifer Frankel. We are talking about the twists and turns on the spiritual or religious path, when the river ends, the ocean begins. Now, we picked that title tonight because it's from Thomas Lloyd Qualls, who happens to be a, a um, an author that I'm a fan of, but it's the references to the spiritual journey and that in a certain sense, the religious path that we're born into is a river. Uh, it's flowing. We're in the current. Uh, we know exactly where we're going. You, if you want to carry the metaphor further, we're, we're in a boat and uh, with a clear direction. But ultimately, the river um, goes into a larger body of water. The river uh, is a tributary into the, into the ocean. And at that point, there, the markers are less clear. Um, we have to change the craft we're on. We have to find our own compass. We have to um, establish our own direction. We need to leave the boat we were on or the path that we were on behind. And that's absolutely been true in, in my life. I think that if I had been on a straight line in my Jewish life, and I certainly mean no disrespect to those who have been. I honor that greatly. And I had gone to uh, yeshiva, and I had uh, uh, done smicha, and I had um, kind of gone to kind of you know, culminated in in you know having some sort of um, uh, either a congregation or or, or some sort of um, didactic role in in that path, and not tasted what it was to be off the path, not tasted other contrary ideas and faith, and even the idea that, that faith it, itself is, is wrong-headed, I w- absolutely wouldn't have appreciated the nectar of the path as, as I do today. Jennifer, where am I wrong? <laughs> Did, am, am I just kind of, am I rationalizing my own experience, my own you know, weaknesses and, and uh, you know, uh, fall downs along the, along the way? Um, I don't think so at all. I, I also really treasure the diversity in my experience, and I'm pretty sure that if I had been raised an Orthodox Jew, I would have converted to something else. I would have left I, if I'd been raised, you know, an atheist, maybe I would be a nun by now. I don't, I don't know, but I, um, but I, I, I agree with you. I, I think I, I think it's in my nature and perhaps yours as well to be curious and on a, on a, on, on a search for, you know, variety in our, in our spiritual world. And, 
and to learn not not just about you know a certain not for it to be about a certain religion or a certain practice, but just looking to taste different things in life and to to have different experiences. I I I, I treasure it as well. I, I I don't I don't think you're wrong about that. What's been your darkest moment from a with the perspective of the relationship with the God of your understanding or spiritual life in general? What's been uh, the most clouded, most confused moment? My most confused moment, um, I think, probably came just before I left Orthodoxy. Um, I was quite unhappily married, and I... I actually, you know, I, I had been thinking about really branching out and finding a different path for myself and a, a spiritual leader in our, or a religious leader, I should say, in the community um, who I went to for advice um, and for help with some, you know, problems at home that I was having, um, told me that I would not find happiness um, anywhere because I was, um, I was using birth control. And until I had children, I wasn't going to be making God or the God of my understanding at the time happy. I wasn't going to be, I wasn't following by the rules and I was not going to be happy. And that was the darkest point, but it also was the brightest point because I, with that answer, I knew that I had only one place to go and that was, um, to leave, to leave the community. Um, so it was very hard to be faced with that decision that was really made for me with that, with that answer. Uh, But, but also, you know, that was, that was it. It was like the river ended in a waterfall and I fell into the ocean and there was only, there was, there was only one choice. When that happened, when that realization came to you, did you feel like you were leaving the God of your understanding, or did you feel at that point that you were leaving a social community, or both? I felt very much that I was leaving a social community. Um, I believe the God of my understanding, uh, I, I think I came to an understanding on my own, but that, that I didn't believe in God uh, a long time before that, and I was going through the motions and living a life that I absolutely chose and loved in many ways, but it wasn't, it wasn't about God um, anymore. One of the, uh, there's, there's a, a strain of thought now you've probably heard of called the, the, the concept of the secular saint. And there are writers like James Martin, the Jesuit, who I enjoy um, reading his thoughts on this quite a bit. He's kind of, he's a sociologist and a, and a priest, and, and he writes about the path to, to God through disbelief, um, through betrayal, through the, not, not humans betraying each other, but the feeling of being betrayed by um, a, either, either God herself or himself and, uh, and or a community that represents God, and that they, by that, that being cast out is the only way that, that, you know, we can really find, um, find real understanding that's authentic to, to ourselves. And as I'm hearing 
you speak, I, when I, when we started thinking about this show, I felt like we had kind of more daylight between us on this path, but it seems like we, we both in a certain sense, you know, felt a, felt the casting out, whether it was, you know, forced upon us or whether we felt like we had to, to do it. Sounds like we, we both kind of had to, you know, kind of leave town. <laughs> and I don't know if that resonates with you. Um, yeah, it, it does. I definitely had, I, I had to, I had to leave and I, and I'm glad I did. I'm, I'm, you know, I made the right choice, but I also, I feel like I, ch- I chose this community. I chose to stay in it for as long as I did. And I, I really did love it for most of the time that I was, that I was involved in it. And then I chose to leave uh, which for me was a it was a, a blessing that it that the ball was sort of in my court a lot of the time. I never, I, I never quite felt cast out. Um, I mean, once I once I decided to leave and people didn't take my phone calls anymore, or I would say you know wave to somebody in the supermarket and they acted like they didn't know me. Okay, a little bit cast out, but that's that's okay if they you know if that's. Uh, if that's how it's going to be, then I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be on the outside. I have a text question that's coming uh, for you, Jennifer. And a, some, a listener asks or, or makes a comment, a dear late friend of mine had Jewish ancestry and did not believe in God, but definitely in kindness and deep inner knowing. However, for much of her life, she felt hurt by a one-time comment by an esteemed colleague that she wasn't spiritual, quote-unquote. Has anyone ever called you, Jennifer, not spiritual? And how do you define spirituality? No one has ever told me that I'm not spiritual. Um, and I'm, gra- I'm grateful for that. But I also think our spirituality is so personal, like somebody could have told me that I wasn't my kitchen wasn't kosher enough or or my skirts weren't long enough. I I heard that one a lot, uh, but nobody ever told me that I wasn't spiritual enough. Um, perhaps that my faith wasn't strong enough. That like if I if there was a problem that I had had to face and I didn't think I could overcome it, like like in my marriage, um, you know, oh, you just need more faith. You just need more faith, but. Um, but a lack of spirituality, nobody accused me of that. And it, it's, it's terrible to think that, that your ancestor was accused of something like that because it's, it's so personal and, and some people can be deeply spiritual and it doesn't show it all on the outside and other people can really, you know, wear it and they can dress like somebody who you would think is very spiritual, but it's not necessarily that case on the inside. I think we all know a lot of those. Um, so, no, it hasn't happened to me. It's happened to me. During the time of my life, I was on Wall Street and, and I, I was running public companies for from the outside, if not from the uh, seen as being, uh, you know, highly materially uh, motivated and, and, and oriented. And I felt like that was much less of a shift internally. In fact, there was, 
I felt that at times at times I was unmoored from my spiritual life, but not necessarily necessarily for that reason. And I often regard. I don't know if we're having an audio issue here. Uh, hopefully, hopefully I'm, we're, we're still we're still heard. Um, I want to uh, take a another uh, question here. This is uh, aimed at, at both of us here, Jennifer. These days, how do you best maintain conscious contact with God as you are using the word, the God of your understanding? <laughs> I'm, I'm nervous to answer that one, uh, get myself in trouble. So maybe you go first, Jennifer. How do you best maintain a conscious contact with God in terms of the God of your understanding? Um, well, the God of my understanding, um, well, as as I understand the question anyway, uh, doesn't necessarily exist. Um, if, the, if the God of my understanding is, is just a practice of, of kindness and mindfulness and um, compassion and awareness for the people around me, I think, I mean, I, I try to remain connected to that and aware of that all day, every day, in every interaction that I have. But an actual deity, as um, as it's commonly defined, um, I have I have no connection at all. I have no belief or connection. What about you, Dove? The God of, of my understanding isn't a a deity that can be that I at least in, envision in, in any kind of object form. It's really, and this is where I, I may get myself in trouble with some of my um, observant friends, is really about um, challenging and questioning, and specifically questioning uh, how I can um, be a a person that's having a, a, a more um, a more positive impact, an impact that is infused with love in the world around me, both the, the closest world around me, my family and friends and the broader world, in spite of, of, of the concept of God, not because of the concept of God, not, not as driven by the concept of God. I, I've toyed with the idea of doing an episode of Equal Footing on why are religious people so obnoxious? And uh, I guess I've, I've just uh, maybe... I'm going to got to manifest that and, and do that show, but because I think that by relying on the concept of God, uh, relying on Scripture, relying on a holy text, relying on what a, uh, a, 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 a your your priest or your your rabbi or your imam or your or your Zen master told you, or what you've read, I think is a crutch. Um, actually, James Martin, who I talked about it before, talks a lot about. Uh, the uh, religious baloney detector he uses a stronger word, but I think any time you have to you know kind of quote um, a, a source to explain your action to um, drive um, what you 're going to say or do uh, in in a, in a sense I think that it's not it's not fully infused so the, the way I can maintain conscious contact and is is getting away from any kind of crutch, getting away from... Uh, it, it doesn't mean not studying. It doesn't mean not uh, not going to services or being observant in, in whatever you know, way you, 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 it applies to your path. 
But for me, it's about distancing myself from a dictate and trying to have the action itself by infu- be infused by, by love um, and by compassion and um, by this core value of, of treating others as I want to be treated. It is a frigging hard path. I think it's a much harder path. I love this question. Thank you for the person who sent it in. I think it's a much harder path than following a dictate, than becoming erudite on, you know, Midrash uh, or, um, you know, reading, you know, the, the Upanishads in, in Hinduism. Uh, the, the, you know, is my action right now infused by my core value? And I, when I go there, I feel like a failure most days. So, <laughs> my long-winded answer. Jennifer, we're gonna we're gonna take a break, but I want to I want to um, put forth a perhaps tough ask to you to play kind of an advocacy position when we come back, and and I'll do the same. I'll I'll meet you. Uh, you know, if you could explain to the Jennifer of right prior to having left the Orthodox world and convince her to stay, but with authenticity, to stay on that path, uh, what, what, would, what would you say? What would the Jennifer of now say to the Jennifer of then? We're going to be back on equal footing with Dove Tuzman in just a minute. Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is brought to you by DocuVax. Are you a small or medium-sized business owner who wants to provide a low-cost, effective health benefit for your employees? Or a school administrator who wants to ensure all of your students have the proper vaccines? Well, welcome to DocuVax. At DocuVax.com, you have an easy-to-use digital locker accessible on your laptop or smartphone. It allows you to safely store and validate basic medical information, including immunization records, lab results, even x-rays and MRIs. Gone are the days of losing time tracking down old medical records or sharing test results with a new healthcare provider. The DocuVax system covers over 60 different elements of your medical profile, from flu to tetanus vaccines, God willing, COVID vaccines soon, to colorectal and breast cancer screenings, to blood type and allergies. To sign up, go to DocuVax.com or call 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. For as little, little as $9.99 per month, DocuVax subscribers can access all of their medical records from a secure HIPAA-compliant digital storage facility. So call 833-859-1933. Operators are standing by. All right, 
you're back on Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman. I am joined by my special guest, Jennifer Frankel. We are talking about the twists and turns in the spiritual or religious path. When the river ends, the ocean begins. We have to chart our own course, leaving or, as it were, returning to religious life. So, Jennifer, and I was told, by the way, on the break by our, by our audio engineer, that we had a, uh, a couple of callers that called in, and, and they, it, we dropped. It was dropped. We're having a little bit of audio difficulties tonight, so please do try again, 718-303-9090, or you can text a question at 917-428-4062. All right, Jennifer, do you accept my challenge? <laughs> uh, I you do, Absolutely. So before the break, I asked you to convince, for those who may have tuned in later, you've con- you converted, you grew up in a, in a, in a, from a partially Jewish background, also a Catholic household, you converted to Orthodox Judaism, you, you have left that community, and I asked you if you, the Jennifer of now, if you were convincing authentically and in such a way it was good for her life and soul, talking to the Jennifer just before she left the Orthodox Jewish community, how, what would you say to convince her to stay? I would tell her, I would tell my, my old self to, to definitely get divorced because we were not making each other happy. Um, but to find what I loved, rediscover what I loved about, about the community and about the faith. I still love structure and I still love rules and I love a ritual and a right way to do things Um, and to embrace that and to not be afraid to accept that I never really believed in God. That was a really important, that was a big thing for me. I just couldn't, I didn't. I didn't want to say it out loud. I didn't want to be that non-believer that I, you know, I didn't want to be. I didn't want to accept that in my in my own heart. Um, but had I, um, I would have been a lot happier at the time. So um, I think that's that would have been that would have been the key for me. Um, so that's what I would I would tell her. Wow, that is not what I expected. So you, so you would have told her that the the younger Jennifer to that that she could stay in the Orthodox Jewish community and accept that she didn't believe in that version of God, and and still be happy. Am I understanding that correctly? And if I'm if I'm trying to convince the old Jennifer to 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 stay, then then yes, that would be my argument because I. It was part of accepting, like, I just had to accept who I was, and that's how I was going to be happy. It wasn't a matter of, you know, using the right dishes or wearing the right clothes. It was, it was self-acceptance, and, and I loved the community. So I, I would tell my former self to, to dive into the parts that I loved about it, and I've certainly spoken to many people in in the community since 
Um, and a lot of people have asked me, you know, how's life now? How does it feel? Like, do you have more time now that you have seven whole days a week to do all right. the things you want to do? That answer is no, by the way. It's amazing what you can get done in six days of, of the week. And <laughs> I, still, I still don't have enough time to get everything done, even if I'm working on, on Shabbat. I still um, appreciate <laughs> the honesty in your answer, because I think that's part of what I mentioned before on the secular saint concept of we can accept where, where we are on the path. And if that path is is a, is a completely secular reality, it doesn't mean that that's where we're going to be forever and we can still find a home. Uh, I'm going to avoid the challenge I imagine you're going to give me for a moment. We're going to take a caller. I think we have a caller on line one. Hello? Hi, welcome to Equal Footing. Am I on? You are. Okay. Well, I would like to uh, say that um, God spelled backwards spells dog. Now, the meaning of thanksgiving should be what the words say. Thanksgiving, giving thanks. That does not mean eating an animal. It means giving thanks to Mother Earth for Mother Earth's boundaries. And my second thought is about religion, I don't understand, is thou shall not kill. Does that mean you should pet a dog and kill a cow? Great question. Thank you for, for calling. I, I, the, the, the first one's easier, for, maybe not easier in terms of the, the, the answer, but uh, at least in my own experience, you know, there's, Whatever I can't remember who the the, the the great philosophers said, you know, re- that religion doesn't exist. That that all that exists are actions, and so you know, it's the same. There's even a concept in, in Judaism, in mystical Judaism, that a a single uh, a a a, sing- a a thousand thoughts is wiped out by a single word. So you can have a thousand good thoughts. One negative word wipes out the thousand good thoughts. And you can have a thousand negative words, and it's wiped out by one good action. And, so, and, and you have a version of that in almost all traditions. And so I think, yeah, God, dog, call it what you want. <laughs> Whatever your understanding is, that's what I was getting at before, what I've discovered. And thank goodness I've discovered it in harmony with my Jewish identity, which has made my life easier to some degree, I have to admit. But I've found that in this path, and, I, and you can find it in any path, is that harmony between the core value and the infusion. Anyway, I'm still avoiding well, Jennifer's my, challenge. I have I would, no idea about that. The, the, I, would with call respect myself, to, I would call myself a naturalist. Yeah, it sounds like that's, that's your Because path. Um, I, I, man has limited itself selfishly to one species only. It has no respect or care for any other species but itself. And there's millions of other species that are creatures from God. And we just made them into slaves. So how could we believe in anything? I chose a path to fight for the most abused on earth, and that's the animals. Now it's a blessing and a curse because there's so much evil in this world. It's all about us. And it's limited, narrow-mindedness that we do not include any other species but ourselves. 
Yeah, well, th- thank you for sharing that. I, I think that the the path of compassion for all living beings and animals is uh, is a legitimate organizing idea. And I think you. Um, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't, I don't know your name, but I, I, I think you called in maybe a month or two ago, and yeah, I, you remember I, I, a long time ago. Yeah. Yes, it was a very long appreciate, time ago. I appreciate your, your. I can't remember exactly the context, but you also made the point of the need for compassion for animals. I know I was reading about the uh, culling of the mink population in in Denmark and elsewhere as a result of the COVID outbreak, and that population was just. You know, broke my heart that lo- that loss of life. So, mm-hmm. God bless and thank you for but bringing us that. But you know what? We have to close the wet markets. They are diabolical. Yeah. Well, thank you for 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 calling in again, and I appreciate that perspective. I think that uh, I've I've uh, dilly dallied enough, Jennifer. <laughs> I put you on the spot. Give it to me. Uh, okay. Remember <laughs> what Thanksgiving really means. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, so my question for you is, uh, well, so I sometimes look back and I think if I could have just gotten to this point without all of the other path, like all the all of the other challenges, all the the different portals, pathways that I that I traveled on, traveled through to get to where I am, if I could go back, not to pre-departure from orthodoxy, Jennifer, but maybe 15 or 16-year-old before before all of this really happened, um, and explain where I am today, and explain what this whole journey was about. If I could explain the last 20 years, I'm 35, if I could explain the last 20 years of spiritual searching, soul searching to 15-year-old Jennifer. Um, how would you explain it to 15-year-old Dove? <laughs> when I was 15, I had a major existential crisis, and I uh, I, I had a, a beat-up blue Corona that was kind of rusted out. I, I, I drove it to upstate New York to listen to a visiting... Swami, uh, a spiritual master from India, that talk about spiritual life. And I was in that room, and I felt that it was a big hall. There were um, probably, you know, uh, maybe a thousand people in this massive hall. And I thought, oh, I wasn't getting anything. It wasn't, it wasn't resonating with me. And I felt everything was empty. Uh, what my parents uh, were, were teaching me about spiritual life was empty. What I was learning on my own was empty. This other path I was being exposed to was empty. And just as I was thinking that and having that, you know, classic moment of, of, of teenage um, uh, uh, kind of, um, you know, law, desperation or confusion, I, I had this experience that in that path is called Shaktipat. I had this experience of spiritual awakening. And all of a sudden, I, I realized that my entire uh, understanding about what, what life was about was, 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 was completely off base, and it was uh, oriented towards a search within rather than a search without, that, that, the, that the meaning of life and, and God was within me, not anything I was going to learn outside. And it literally, like, I was sitting in a chair in the back, and I almost felt the force of it, like I almost fell out of my chair. Now, 
As a result of that, to make a long story short, we're coming up on time here in the show, I ended up going up to the meditation master afterwards and begging her if I could go to live in an ashram in India, and I wanted to become a swami and a monk, and I, I, I did a lot of that over the following 15 years that, that wove its way into my life. What I would tell that 15-year-old is, you got it. That is the truth. God lives within you. That is the path. But it's also an illusion to then wrap yourself in Swami robes, wrap yourself in, 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 in religious kind of accoutrements and attributes. And, and actually, the key is to live that truth day to day in the world. And I, it took me another 25, 30 years to figure that one out. So anyway, thank you, Jennifer, for joining us tonight. Thanksgiving, giving thanks. Uh, and God thank bless you. everyone. Uh, it's great to have you. We'll see you. We'll uh, we'll we'll be with you next week on equal footing. God bless. <laughs>